the episode opens with just silence, and then you see Firefly drifting in space. You see the Serenity drifting in space, and then the music, which is amazing, starts kicking in. And welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to talk about Firefly. Yes. The TV show, not yes. the insect. <laughs> Pretty tight, tight <laughs> intro. Well done. As always, if you want to get in touch, uh, at the Story Toolkit on Twitter... Um, and uh, the story toolkit thank you (laughs) mind blank (laughs) the story toolkit dot wordpress dot com and all the episodes are listed on there and all the other ways of getting in contact with us through twitter uh, through our personal twitter account and uh, Basim's tumblr etc let's get into it okay so Firefly we're going to talk about the best episode of Firefly out of gas now for those of you who don't know what Firefly (laughs) is I've just got to point out the best episode it's a fairly shallow pool (laughs) (laughs) I mean no disrespect (laughs) why would you say that (laughs) It's like saying, you know, the best B5 episode. At least there are 110 of those. Okay, fine. So, what Luke is pointing out is... So, in the the Galactica episode, I mentioned the Firefly test. And the Firefly test is you watch a show for 14 episodes, and if it's not as good as Firefly, you cancel that show. You throw it away and you watch Firefly again. That's that's the Firefly test. It is a good test. It is a good test, because Firefly had famously only 14 episodes, and then it was cancelled. There's, like, a whole series of production hell stories... And the show wasn't even aired properly. It was aired out of order. Blah, blah, blah. That's the biggest thing that confused me. Yes. That Serenity is the pilot, and that was aired after The Train Job, which is episode two. Yes, that's why they had to make several pilots. <laughs> which is why I joke, Out of Gas is the best pilot. Right. right? It's the eighth episode, but it is also the best pilot. It's a the great show pilot. Have. Yeah. And so uh, the show... Anyway, it just it never got... Um, the, the network screwed it, but it's an absolutely beloved show. Everyone loves Firefly. Uh, it had only 14 Absolutely episodes. Everyone. everyone who's seen it loves Firefly. It's got a very, it's very, so very dedicated uh, following. Mm. Um, in fact, they call themselves the Browncoats. They do. Uh, which is a reference to the show itself, which we'll get to in a minute. And, but... and not only is it just like a following of fans, like people in TV love Firefly. Like the people who did Galactica loved Firefly. Sure. Firefly's in Galactica. The ship is actually in an episode of Galactica. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, other, there's other things like... Um, uh, people kept casting the, the actors and other things because the, it's like it's called stunt casting. You know, you can cast someone from something else and that'll get viewers. And like people in sci-fi shows, they would cast people from Firefly because they knew people loved seeing people from Firefly again yeah. and again. And in fact, Joss Whedon, who is the guy who came up with Firefly, is the show creator, and he's obviously the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he d- directed the Avengers movies. Um, Joss Whedon when the show got cancelled took his cast and put them on basically 
Buffy, Angel, Agents of Shield, Dollhouse. Like they're in, they're in everything that he ever did. Um, I'd forgotten about Dollhouse. Yeah, so, season one of Dollhouse is very good. It's, a, so it's I, nice. It's appropriate that you forget about Dollhouse though, <laughs> because that's what the show's about, right? People just forgetting things all the time. Um, so Firefly, the show is basically it's a space western. It's set in space. It's set five hundred years in the future. There are no aliens. Uh, there's no Earth. Uh, Earth is just sort of a fairy tale. They call it the Earth that was. It's set in one solar system which humans have colonized and terraformed. And there's no aliens of any kind. There's no weird sci-fi tech beyond spaceships. They actually use pistols in this. They don't use laser beams. Yeah, modify it. One guy in one episode has a laser gun. And it's like, oh, here's a phaser. And interestingly, actually, the lasers, uh, well, that that laser is an antique, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. And actually, oh, no, no. I was going to try and out-geek you. I think there's another laser in the show, because I remember reading about it, and I can't remember who's got it. Well done. There is another one. Well done. Thank you. Um, I have no proof of this. You I'm can't ever out-geek me. You're married. <laughs> it's done. Like I, I, That competition, I, oh, I'm, I'm so far down that road. Uh, right. So, anyway... Um, yeah, so uh, so far, it's a it's a it's a space western. It's and it's done really really well. It, other than spaceships, really, there isn't anything. The, the spaceships don't travel faster than light or anything like that. It's all in this one thing. They uh, one solar system. Uh, they have a sort of really uh, terrifying, um, sort of savage, sort of Native American type thing. They're not Native American. They're they're kind of more space like Vikings, I guess, called the Reavers. But they they play that trope. That you would see in westerns of the savages. However, unlike uh, Native Americans, they they didn't live there before the humans showed up. Like they were part of the humans, and they went crazy uh, in the blackness of space, and they just started tearing up their own faces, and they just they're just nightmare. They're boogeymen. Are you go- you going off Firefly law here as opposed to the movie Serenity, which deals? With I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to mention it. I just wasn't. Sure, sure. I didn't see the point. So Firefly, that's. Anyway, so that's the basic premise of the show, and the show follows uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds. The Western stuff, by the way, or yes. are we about to get to that? Yeah, what about it? Why? Well, I just love it, so I just wanted to. You want to talk yeah, more if about? If I'm going to contribute anything to it, to there's to this more. Episode. There's more Western stuff. Uh, go for it. <laughs> no, I just think it's really done well for a yes. for a show setting. It is it's so that it it beautifully. Um, uh, I think uh, uh, dramatizes the the frontier life. Uh-huh. From back in the sixteen seventeen hundreds, from uh, from America, the, yeah. the whole fact that there is no Earth, that the Earth that was this distant land that yeah. essentially humanity has come from, yeah, um, yeah. Now they're on the frontier. Right? Now that now they're on the frontier, you have this yeah. this core set of worlds, which I guess were like the big cities, like yeah. New York, etc. Um, and these outer rim planets where they have no healthcare and they are living, you know, in the dirt yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Well, the 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 in the backstory of Firefly, like what ten years, five years before, there's a, a civil war. Yeah, exactly. Between the yeah. Independents and the Alliance, and the Alliance, which is the big bureaucratic political institution, they won. And uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds, who is the main character of the show, he uh, fought on the Independents. He volunteered to fight against the Alliance, and Malcolm Reynolds is played by Nathan Fillion who most people probably know from Castle. And in Castle, he's constantly making references to Firefly uh, as, a, as a space cowboy. Um, and so 
Uh, yeah, so that's the, so Nathan Fillion went on to do Castle. Uh, it's got Marina Baccarin, who was the girlfriend Vanessa in Deadpool, yeah. and she played uh, Brody's wife in Homeland. And it's got this is Marina Baccarin's first gig, really. I think. I was going to say, I, I in fact, and, and a lot of the cast I'd not come across. Well, this was done in two thousand two, and I believe Marina Baccarin was twenty two at the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. This was like her first proper gig. Um, and it has uh, the recently deceased uh, Ron, uh, Ron Glass, and has Adam Baldwin. Yeah. And it has uh, and, Gina Torres. Yeah. Who isn't in this episode that much because at the time of this episode she had just gotten married to Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who of course is Morpheus and all those guys. And I'm uh, not going to out geek you at all on this. No, and <laughs> and then there's Alan Tudyk, who probably I think his biggest thing, bizarrely, might be he was on stage Broadway doing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Was well, he? Yeah. Wow. I think that's. I think that was his. his he's, he's in a bunch of other stuff. He's, he's in loads like, of things. He's awesome. He's f- for years. I thought he was English because he's oh, in. Really? Yeah, he's in the original. Uh, Steve the pirate. Yeah. From Dodgeball, right? yeah, of course. He's in the original Death at a Funeral, oh. um, which is oh, yeah. a superb farce. Um, oh, okay. Uh, set at a funeral. Oh. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, in my mind, Alan Tudyk is the person who I would pick to be the new Columbo. <laughs> I could see that, right? Right. It would work really well because he wouldn't yeah. be doing a Peter Fork impression, but he'd be he'd be Columbo he'd still. Be, he'd be damn good. He he wouldn't just be oh it's it's someone doing like it's he'd be someone he'd be a new Columbo. <laughs> be amazing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, great cast. I know, right? It's, I know how to do Columbo. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, so this is the cast of Firefly. Uh, uh, and it's, it's basically the cast of these, these nine characters on this ship called Serenity. And Serenity, it looks like a Firefly. That's the name of the type of ship that it is. Mm. So it's, it's a Firefly class ship, hence the name Firefly. The ship is called Serenity. It's got nine main characters on it. And basically what they do is, no joke, they kind of uh, like take cattle. <laughs> There's one episode where they're yeah. shipping cattle. They smuggle, they do cargo. It's not exploring strange new worlds. It's not dealing with robots that are trying to kill them. There's no robots. It's not trying to deal... It's none of the typical sci-fi stuff. It is absolutely... The story, everything about it is just full-on Western. The names of the episodes let you in on this, right? The Train Job, Bushwhacked, Out of Gas, which is the one we're going to talk about now. So... This show is just, it's a really beautiful show. It's really wonderful. It's only 14 episodes and a movie. You have no reason not to watch it. It's very funny. It's wonderful. You mentioned before the, the visuals were the guys that went on to do uh, Battlestar. Is that all right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, they went on to Battlestar. So you get to see uh, Firefly in Battlestar Galactica. It's so well stylized. There's no sound in There's space. no sound in space. They is do lots the of same, crash zooms. Is that the same in Galactica or do they have sound in Galactica? Uh... They have very muffled sound. If I remember right, they have very, very muffled sound in Galactica. Sure, sure. Uh, but mostly it's music in Galactica. Yeah, they have that sort of... Like that kind of music, so you can't really tell. Yeah, more cinematic, I guess, in that respect. I think they have to have sound and space in Galactica because so much of it is space battles. That's true. Whereas Firefly, Serenity has no weapons. Yeah. So it can't get into battles. The most it can do is run away from people. <laughs> That's all it does. Um, and so it's it's um, it's a great show. So the episode we're going to talk about, Out of Gas, is the eighth episode. 
Yeah. And as I said, it's the best pilot. <laughs> and the episode basically works like this. Um, the episode opens with just silence. And then you see Firefly drifting in space. You see the Serenity drifting in space. And then the music, which is amazing, starts kicking in. And it cuts inside the ship. And you just see shots inside of the ship. And it's the lights are off. It's empty. No sound, nothing. And then Mal Reynolds drops on the floor, bleeding. And you're wondering, well, what's going on? And so the show, this is a flash forward, and the show then keeps cutting back through time to show you how Mal ended up on the ship alone, injured. And it flashes even further back to show you how Mal got his crew together. So just to clarify, because you originally said mm. that beginning bit is a flash forward. It's a flash forward. It's a flash. So what's the real? What's the kind of real? Well, it's it's flash forward by like two hours. Sure, but you know, it's it's like so they, we they show, back, we they show you the hours. end of the show. The, yeah. the 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 sort of like the they they show you sort of like there's three sort of time periods. There's the present. There's just <laughs> the present, yeah. which is the bit where Mal's been injured, and then the flashbacks all the way to the I'm just, I guess I asked yeah. because I'm, I was trying to get a sense of actually whether it matters from a writing point of view if you do something similar no. where you actually consider your main time oh right I, I mean it could it's just up to you how, I mean I don't know the genesis of why they just why, why they decided to do it this way but um, one of the things I mean it sounds a bit more complex than this but actually the show's really easy to follow and partly because um, the director David Solomon just did this beautiful sense of directing which we'll get to yeah. Uh, but Tim Minia, who wrote the episodes, obviously, obviously must have known what David Solomon could do because so much of this episode rests on the fact that you can follow which time period you're in. It, there's there's no time travel in this episode. It's just mm. it's just the way it's dramatized. What the episode's actually about, all that happens is the engine breaks, <laughs> right, causing a big explosion that causes them to have to evacuate the ship. And Mal stays on the ship in the hopes that someone will come and give them the piece, the uh, machinery that they need to get the ship running again. That's the episode. And those people get on the ship, they uh, shoot Mal, which is why he's bleeding. He gets them off the ship, and then he tries to get the ship running. That's the episode. That's it. Yeah. That's lit. That's that's all the story is about. It's just uh, his ship breaks down. But the way they've done it is by delineating through time the episode is just about this incredible it's just an incredible character piece because the only thing that happens is this big explosion really and then after that the cast the cast is so well polarized so well realized and the actors are so good that the writers can just sit down have one explosion happen then nothing else and then they can just have these characters constantly create scenes which is what you do when you have a polarized cast. We mentioned this in the Captain America Civil War podcast, the second yeah. one, about how important it is to polarize your cast. And this and is just a great example of if it. If you haven't heard that episode, what we said about the, the, the big fight scene, the, in, in fact, really the best bit of that movie, the airport fight scene, mm. still has its problems because the only two characters that act differently are Spider-Man and Ant-Man. Yeah. And everybody else reacts in the which, same uh, way, which is yeah. fight, fight. And that's why Spider-Man and Ant-Man steal that scene. Yes. Uh, in fact, what's the best bit of that scene? It's when Spider-Man takes down Ant-Man. Right. Right. That's that's it. That's the big moment of that. And it's like, well, this is a problem because neither of these are the main characters, yeah. right? Um, so, but, but sorry, just on that point, um, for you, from your own writing, it's a good 
test, this kind of explosion test, I yeah. guess. Uh, if you're writing something, um, d- uh, throw the same problem at each of your characters, and if you find they're all reacting in exactly the same way to the same end, yeah, then you've got a problem for the same reasons. For the same reasons, yeah, yeah. it's all problem. Yeah, so in in out of gas, you have this big explosion, and all nine of them have just been having dinner. And the re- by the way, the reason you know it's dinner, it's in space, right? They're on a spaceship. The way you know it's dinner and it's late at night is because of the way it's lit. They light it as if there's like one lantern in the middle of the table, so it's really dark. But if, in re- you wouldn't do that, right? You just turn the lights on. When you go home <laughs> and it's late at night, you don't light a candle or whatever. You, have, you just turn the lights on at home so everything's brightly lit. But on a spaceship... That's how it always looks, right? So how do you make it look like it's late at night? You do that. like that's And that's just a really nice little trick. But So they're all sitting there having dinner. The explosion happens. So the engines make a weird sound. Kaylee, who's the engineer, uh, she decides she's going to go down and take a look at the engine. The And as she goes down, opens the corridor to go down to the engine, a big fireball shows up. And Zoe... Uh, Gina Torres' character grabs Kaylee, throws her out the way, and she gets hit by the the fireball. And then, of course, they start panicking and they have to do it. And this scene, all nine of them are there, and you see all nine of them react differently. So Kaylee is like a deer in the headlights. You know, she just freezes. She panics and freezes. Bam. That's it. Zoe doesn't even hesitate to save Kaylee. There's there's no... There's not even... Like, on the one hand, Kaylee's, like, petrified. She can't move. She's paralyzed with fear. Zoe, on the other hand, is so ready for action she can save Kaylee before the fireball hits her, right? And sacrifices her own uh, her own safety for this. Then uh, Jane immediately starts shutting, uh, closing the hatches and stuff because you have to make sure that to protect himself and everyone else. With more, you know, he's 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 always into self preservation. So he cuts all this off. But the problem with that is Simon, the doctor, his med kit lies beyond the hatch so in order to save Zoe he needs the med kit and he tells Jane you've got to let me get my med kit and he goes no way I'm not opening that door and he goes if you don't Zoe might die it's like if I do we all die so he so so uh, Jane is immediately sort of playing the bad guy head of security type thing he's just making sure everything's like he he doesn't care how it looks he's just he's going to make sure everyone lives right Simon goes straight into doctor mode um Mal goes straight into captain mode. He goes to the the door which the fireball came from, closes the door, starts making orders, getting everything ready. Wash, he's Zoe's husband, so he rushes to Zoe's side. Um, I think, if I remember right, River shuts down. She doesn't panic in the same way Kaylee does. She just shuts down. Uh, in, in fact, River even knows the fire's coming. She says she before does. it goes, she goes, fire, like that, before it happens. So because she's got first reaction. Yeah, she's got a weird psychic thing. Her first reaction is to warn them. Yeah, you know, in her own way. Um, Book, I think, looks after uh, um, River, and Inara, I think, it, it just she just recoils. She just goes, steps back. She's not really. She's not like Kaylee, where she just panics, but she's not. Which is an an important point. Yeah. Going back to um, the the kind of explosion uh, idea to test yeah. with your own writing how uh, yeah. whether your characters are polarized enough. Um, Inara and Kaylee uh, get a similar reaction, but um, uh, there is a difference there, isn't there? There's a huge difference. Kaylee is utterly terrified by the fireball. She's terrified of of these things. Uh, And so she's traumatized for pretty much the rest of the episode. Yeah. 
Inara isn't. Inara just sees like, oh, it's just like, it's prime. It's like, oh, big explosion. Okay, what do we do? Inara's kind of knows she doesn't know what to do, so she doesn't do anything. Sure. She's much more in control than Kaylee. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell that from the way they act and the way after this thing, the way they respond to things and so forth. So they react differently, although superficially you could say they act in a very similar way, but really yeah. they just don't. Uh, Kaylee's terror is very different to Inara's fear. Yes. Um, and so um, so they, they're all polarized. And the beautiful thing, once you have, you see you've got these nine characters, they all act differently in the same situation. So they're all beautifully polarized. You've got nine of them. And when you think about the possible combinations you have, you've got solo scenes, duets, tri- uh, trios, and quartets, quintets, septets, uh, sextets, octets, and non-tets, right? We'll be all nice. together, right? I, I, I got was, six and seven the wrong way around. I saw the but, fear in your eyes around five and wondered if you were Because I went it. from five to seven. I, 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 I didn't even up, follow. And then I went back. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, um, so you have all these... Um, different uh, possible combinations that you couldn't do in 45 minutes. You can't do all of them. You can't do every duo in 45 minutes. So that means you actually have choices. That means every time you make a scene between two characters or three characters, that's that's taking precedence over another possible scene you could have done. So you have all these actual choices. You're not just exhausting all the possibilities every time. I love this. This is such a good example of um, such a pure example of these kind of choices. Because we talk about choices a lot in writing. Mm. And often if you're writing and you're the kind of writer that just hits page one and starts typing, um, sometimes you can trick yourself and say, well, this is the only way this scene can go. And actually there's... You it's know, just not dozens, true. if not hundreds yeah. of way, ways a scene can go. Yeah. With this, you've just got one great inciting incident, yeah. nine characters, yeah. what do you do? Right, and, and straight away, one of the key choices they make is that Zoe saves Kaylee. Yeah. Now, you could... I mean, we sit back and we think, well, who else could save Kaylee? But you could have it be that no one saves Kaylee. <clears throat> Kaylee gets hit, right? Yeah. But then you run into problems later, which is how do they even fix the engine if Kaylee's yeah, not around? Yeah. And you lose all the interesting scenes with Kaylee, right? Then you go, okay, what if Jane saves Kaylee? Well, Jane wouldn't save Kaylee, but what if he did? You know? Okay, what if Mal saved Kaylee, etc.? So you, you have choices of, uh, uh, does anyone save Kaylee, yes or no? If they do, how do they save them? Who saves her, etc.? And you pick Zoe. Now, as I said, of course, she had to be written out because she was on her honeymoon, but <clears throat> they use it. They use it properly. And so Zoe being taken out in that situation, that shows Zoe's character. Like, she just saves Kaylee. Yeah. Without any consideration of saving herself. She just puts Kaylee above herself. And it makes her almost maternal in a way. You know, it's just, it's a beautiful little moment for Zoe. And Kaylee, we get to see Kaylee be absolutely petrified and then traumatized and tormented over the fact that Zoe did this for her. So, so yeah, Zoe actually saves the ship because Zoe, yeah, yeah, because Kaylee's the only one that can diagnose the problem. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah. So Zoe, Zoe saves wow. everyone. Big damn hero. Big damn hero. So Zoe's just great. Okay, and we get to see that through that choice. There, you could have had someone else do it, but they have Zoe save Kaylee. Deliberate writer's choice is what you're saying. It's, well, as I mean, why they had to do it? They might. Have, someone might have said, so "We have to get." Well, how, how do we get? They could have written Zoe out, out of it. They could have written her out so, any number of ways. Any number of ways. But she this could is, have they, been the one stood by the door as the fire came in. Exactly. There's so many ways that you could have Zoe taken out, but this is the one they picked, and this is the 
it's just great and it delineates those characters really well and it gives them ammunition right because now wash throughout the episode is constantly being torn between the fact that he's the pilot and therefore he has to get the ship uh going okay but he wants to be next to his wife who's dying yeah so now there's all this tension that builds up because you take zoe out and you do it in character that's you make quite, it her choice. That's an, that's uh, one of Wash's dimensions, isn't it? That, yeah. that that they play up a couple of times yeah. in the season, and it's done so well. But I, I hadn't. Uh, What's that? I, what dimension? What, uh, pilot and husband. Yeah, they play that up. Uh, there's the the episode War Stories where um, he he's desperate to 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 see yeah. action because he's worried about Zoe and Mal getting really close because yeah, exactly. they're always in dangerous situations so he uh, yeah he thinks the there's a thing so... that might be happening uh, yeah as a husband he's really sort of um, uh, he's really si- serious yes but as a pilot he's a leaf on the wind <laughs> right he's just carefree pilot wearing Hawaiian shirt and right and that's it but right. When, he's, when it's Zoe's in charge, no, no, everything's really important and matters. And so that's... Anyway, so that's one choice. Another choice that you could do, for example, is you have Inara, right? Uh, what scenes do you do with Inara? Okay, do you put Inara with book? Do you put Inara with river? Do you put Inara with river and book? How do, what do you do with it, right? Well, in this, in this episode, what they decided is they have one scene with Inara and Simon where they're just talking about the fact that they're probably going to die because the life support's out. And Inara is um, sort of just trying to have a moment with someone because Simon is the only one who isn't doing anything. Kaylee's got to get the ship running. Mal's got to get the ship running. Um, uh, Wash has got to get the ship running. <clears throat> Book is reading his Bible and consoling River, and River is with Book. <clears throat> Jane is getting things together. So the, the two of them, like Zoe's in critical condition. There's nothing they can do. So they're just sitting there. And so uh, she starts talking to him and Simon just gets really medical and clinical and starts talking about the actual physical processes of dying without life support on a spaceship. And she's like, I don't want to hear this stuff. Okay. So that's, that's their little scene, right? You get to see those two characters delineate. And then when Simon's like, sorry, you know, it's just, it was my birthday. And then she starts consoling him. It's like, so she, it's, 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 it's a nice scene because she, she goes to Simon to try and like because he's the doctor you know it's like hey maybe you can and then it's like no she has to help him because actually he's he's the one who's in real need they're the two <clears throat> almost the two best characters to put together in that situation because he is clinical he is a doctor and he's very yes. socially awkward he yes. doesn't understand people mm. she's a companion she is trained to understand right. people yeah exactly you've got this beautiful interplay right. between them where and, it just blurts out that's the thing because like she goes to him basically needing her friend right and he's rubbish earlier on you as you point out he's rubbish he's socially awkward he tries to tell a joke he can't do it yeah he can't even tell a joke yeah. so she can't get out of him what she needs but she can give him what he needs yeah and so just, this is a beautiful little scene right between yeah. those two characters like we can do that you want to see all the characters, right? So you have to think, who's with who? They put River and Book together. They put Nara and Simon together, etc. Like that. You have to work out who's going to go with who, right? And then, <clears throat> even better, uh, they have two scenes with just Inara and Mal. They have a scene where they meet 
for the first time where Mal so rents the, his shuttle. One of the flashbacks. One of the flashbacks. And then straight away from that scene, the lighting changes and now we're back in the present and it's her not and it's Mal telling Inara that she's gonna take the shuttle with three other people and off they go. So what happens is this <clears throat> in the in the episode, Mal, uh the life support's dying, they put out a signal that hopefully someone will come and answer and give them the engine piece they need. Uh, and in the meantime, there's not enough air. So Mal separates the crew into two groups of four, puts one group on one shuttle, one group on the other shuttle, and sends the shuttles off in opposite directions in the hope that one of them will meet somebody and save the other five, right? But there's nine people. So four on one shuttle, four on the other. What does that mean? Mal stays on the ship alone, okay? He's going to stay on Serenity and probably die on Serenity. The other ship has... Um, Inara, Jane, uh, a book, and uh, Kaylee, and the other one has Zoe, Wash, uh, um, uh, Simon, and River. Okay, if I remember right, that's how the, the the two break down. Okay, so you have a flashback where Imal is talking to Inara, and uh, the whole point is he's renting out his shuttle, and Inara is like, I you know I read your ad, I want I want the shuttle, and in the uh, talk Mal is trying to play hardball you know he's, he's and she's like she's saying no you're going to rent this to me for less than you're asking and that's all there is to it and he's like well I'll look at the other recommendations and so he's like no no you, you're going to rent it to me he's like why would I do that he's like you want me right and the subtext of course is yeah he really does want to but it's like you want me you, you want me on your ship I had some respectability and all that so in this scene Inara has all the power and Mal won't beg, right? But she's like, I know you want me, so here, here's my price, you pay it, and boof, I'll be on your ship, right? That's how it works. Then it cuts to the present day where Mal is basically going, okay, here's the ship, you've got to take the shuttle with these guys, that's it. It's just the two of them, and Inara's saying, just come with us on the ship. And he's like, only four people to ship. And she goes, you know that doesn't matter. You don't have to die alone. And Mal just says, everybody dies alone. And that scene they've reversed now she's begging mal and mal's like it's it's like he he wants to die alone that's what he wants to do right he won't give up on serenity he can't give up on serenity so that's it and so that's a great scene where you see these two characters just the two characters how time has changed them over the course of it and it's just uh this is what you get like those two scenes are two characters that's it, right? And nothing is happening. But the situation is so different in both uh, scenes that the cast... It's just the dynamics of the cast. Like, you have two scenes with the same two characters. Like, people who write, they they know how hard it is because you need scenes. Like, ah, oh, what do I do? What do they do in this situation? Like, well, they, these characters are so well realised that they can have multiple scenes where things really happen just by the nature of who they are. Something that occurred to me whilst you were talking was that um, even if nothing were happening, mm. let's say you had no great inciting incident like an explosion on the ship, mm. you could just have these characters in any combination um, and, yeah. and the character, say one character, say Jane, would react differently to each of the other eight. Yeah. Just in their company. Yeah, and you just... And, and the same for all the other characters. Yeah, and so and the great thing about it is you can then start doing things like, okay, this event that's happened, such as Mal renting out the ship, the ship having uh, shut down, the, the engine getting destroyed, 
what can we use that to express out of these characters? Because I know these characters so well. What about these characters can be expressed through that event that I couldn't express in another way? Right. And so now you get these really character-specific original moments in all the scenes. And the and guess what? You don't have cliche. Yeah. You just don't have cliche anymore. And so um, it's just great. So it's got a really great Polaroid cut. Let's um, let's push on because we've got some other bits to talk yeah. about. Um, uh, closely linked to polarization, delineation. Yeah. So the beautiful thing about Out of Gas is by show it dramatizes how Mal met recruited most of the crew uh, already in the show we've seen how book uh river simon and zoe and mal know each other yeah but we haven't seen how mal met wash jane um uh, uh kaylee and um, inara and so uh by having these flashbacks what they do brilliantly is they let you see a dimension in all these characters because in the flashback they act differently than they do in the present and you just saw that with Mal and Inara, right? But for example, Kaylee, in the flashback, how does <laughs> how does Mal meet Kaylee? Well, he has a mechanic. He has an engineer on the ship, and he goes down to the engine room to see why the ship, why they're a week off schedule. The pl- the ship hasn't left the planet. Why? And he goes down. He sees his mechanic having sex with this girl. And it's like, what's going on? And it's like, well, the ship doesn't work, Captain. It's broken and all that stuff. And the girl is Kaylee. And she goes, nope, it's fine. It works fine. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, you see this bit here? Just take that out. She gets a wrench, does a little thing. The ship starts working instantly. And it's like, you fixed the ship. And she goes, well, it weren't broken, really. <laughs> like that. And it's just like, well, you want to be on my ship? It's like, yeah, yeah, I want to be on the ship. It's like, hey, Captain, what do you need with two mechanics? I really don't. And it's just like, so he fires the cell mechanic to get Kaylee. That's how you find Kaylee. So in the past, Kaylee is super excited, smiled, can't wait to be on a ship and fly. She's never been in space before, Kaylee. Right? That's what she says. I ain't never even been on one before. Like, she just loves spaceships, but she's never been able to go to space. And in the present, she's terrified. She's absolutely terrified. So you have this great dimension between super optimistic, happy, I, I, sh- everything's shiny, Captain, and uh, it's broke, Captain. Sometimes a thing broke can't be fixed, right? So you get those two, this lovely dimension for Kaylee. Uh, Jane, right? Jane, mm-hmm. in the flashback, how do they get Jane? Jane works for a bunch of other people. And they've tracked them down and they're holding Mal and Zoe at gunpoint. And Mal is like, hey, you did track us down. It's like they, they've hidden some treasure or something. And Jane's like, tell me where the treasure is or I'll shoot you. And it's like, well, if you're going to shoot us, I'm not going to tell you the treasure is. He goes, I'll find it. I found you easy enough. You did, didn't you? How much are you getting paid? And he outbids Jane's current employer and Jane switches sides, right? And Jane does it callously. Like he just shoots his old boss in the leg and it's just like, yeah, okay, I'll come over, right? So in the past, Jane is like this mercenary, tough, uh, really like holding all the cards. But in the present, he's scared of Mal. He's actually intimidated by Mal. Mal intimidates him. And he's loyal and he likes his crew. Like he's laughing with his crew and as they're telling stories and he looks after them, makes sure everyone's safe. Whereas in the flashback, he's all about himself. Which is just another little dimension for his character. Mm. But of course, then Mal... Of course, because he's in all these scenes, he has a great dimension, which is he's the captain, he's in charge, I ain't asking, I was telling. You know, all that great stuff. But in the past, he's out of his depth all the time. He is on the bottom rung 
every single scene. He is it's so. I, it, when you pointed that out, yeah, when we were rewatching it, that is such a good, uh, such a good spot, but such good writing. Just mm. in each of the flashback scenes. So yeah. whenever he meets the other, uh, yeah. those other four characters, he is always right. Uh, well, the, the, on the bottom rung in that interaction. The first flashback is you hear a voice. Pardon me. You hear a voiceover, and a guy is selling Mal, the ship Serenity. And he says, ship like this, be with you till the day you die. And Mal gets on the ship with Zoe. And Zoe's like, yeah, because it's a death trap. right?" <laughs> and so Zoe is mocking Mal for buying Serenity. Then uh, with uh, Wash, uh, Zoe mocks Mal for wanting to hire Wash. Um, Jane has a gun pointed at Mal and holds all the cards. Inara holds all the cards when she's offering to rent the shuttle. Like, everyone is lording their power Everyone's got a higher status, as it were, in every yeah, scene. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, status. Yeah. Everyone's got a higher status than Mal in every scene. But once he's once he's captain in the present, he's in charge. Yeah. He says you've got to do a thing. You do a thing, right? No one questions Mal. Everyone's subordinate to Mal. So there's this great sort of dynamic for the whole cast, uh, where you know because the, the status shift. Is it's so a great. Um, it's a. It's a. It's a great dimension of Mal's that is expressed differently in other episodes. Yeah. Because he's all he's got a lower status than the Alliance. He they've yeah. got a lower status, you know, physically than the Reavers. Yeah, um, and they're low status in the criminal underworld. In the right? criminal underworld, yeah, yeah, they are the little guy. Um, yeah. but on his ship, yeah, he's are. the captain. Yeah. What's great about this episode is it actually shows you his really relationship as it was with each of these characters <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. and actually he was low status with them as well. Yeah, he's just, just he's always out of his depth. Yeah, and yeah, he always rises up to it. He's great. Yeah. Okay, um, but this is a, 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 to take something from it quickly. You can apply a similar test to your characters. Hmm. Um, if you find your characters working uh, or, or behaving the same with lots of different yeah. characters, then again, you've got a problem. Yeah, because um, if you if you if your character like if you've got characters that in every scene just constantly are doing the same thing, acting the same way, then that suggests that your cast. Not only is it not polarized, but no one's dimensionalized either. Yeah. Because if they have different dimensions, the situation to bring out different dimensions, you need different characters in different situations, and then those characters have to actually be different. Therefore, they have to be polarized. So you just have this sort of network that just starts building scenes for you. That's the great joy of it. You can just build scenes. Like with Firefly, if you wanted to just make an episode of Firefly, like off the top of your head, like a great starting point. We mentioned this in the Philly. Uh, podcast a great yeah, time yeah, point yeah. just like okay Inara and Jane bam we'll do an episode where Inara and Jane for some reason aren't with the rest of the crew then you start thinking well why what what situation would be the most interesting one for those two how would those two react and we never saw that episode we never saw the Inara Jane episode they never did that so just go for it and see what happens and because the characters are so polarized you realize it's not oh you know uh, what what happens it's more like oh okay I suddenly have uh, like a dozen different ways like this could go and which ones do I pick which ones gets most to the root of these characters because I have these characters and their relationship that's already there so then you start building you've got something to build off of you know it's just great it's a good you've exercise got yeah a good exercise, exercise as a writer yeah um Okay, let's talk about exposition because I know yeah. you want to. So the show, Tim and Nia wrote a really great show that uh, now this show, as I point out, involves you meaning all the cast. Um, it's a sci-fi show, so there's techno babble. 
how do you deliver exposition? One of the great things about Firefly is how well it handles exposition. And Tim O'Neill does a great job here. And one of the things he does is he lets David Solomon direct the show in such a way that you know which time period you're in through the segues. You know, things like I mentioned the dinner thing. Yeah. The lighting for dinner. Um, how do you let people in on certain things without having to stop and tell the audience, hey, here's a thing. And um, and so it's just, it's just great. The, the past scenes are really heavily saturated with really dark shadows. So you know straight away, like, the color is completely different. The lighting is so completely different between the past and the present that you straight away know, even though the... Um, the shot, the transition shot is so smooth, you know exactly which time period. Actually, thinking on it, uh, when by the time Mal's on his own in the show, in I guess the third of the timelines, uh, yeah. where it opens, uh, everything's very cold. Yeah. Because uh, there's no heat on the ship. And, no heat on the uh, ship, yeah. Uh, that's probably the creative decision behind it. And then the flashbacks, when they, he originally meets, are very warm colours. It's very, yeah. um, right. uh, very orange, very yellow. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got the sort of normal one. I right guess, in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Wow. The normal one goes from warm to cold. Yeah, it starts off really warm in the dinner scene and then gets colder as it goes through. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, that's it, that, by letting it's, the director like Tim O'Neill wrote the story and he must have been either talking to David Solomon or knew enough. Like he he had to have an idea of how this is going to play out because ha- the whole point is the show can't stop and let people in on what time period you're in, because that will just kill the pace of the show. So you have to know, how can you possibly segue from this thing to that? Because essentially it's stream of consciousness, right? In a way. For example, there's a scene where Mal drops the engine piece. He gets to the engine, finally, he drops the piece. And between that moment and the next moment where he picks up the piece, you see the whole thing where the guys board the ship and shoot him. In other words, between him dropping the piece and him picking it up, you see the scene. You see how much Mal has had to do to get the piece to the engine. You've seen it all, right? He got shot. He had to stab himself with adrenaline. All that. you've seen all that stuff, getting to him picking up the the converter. In fact, you, it plays out. He gets shot, and then they just cut to still shots again of the ship, like at the beginning. But this time, what you're seeing is Mal. Mal's blood trail throughout the ship as he's carried himself through the ship to put the converter back. So you see the whole thing. So there's a stream of consciousness, like you're seeing it in Mal's point of view, how Mal's thoughts are going. You see what I mean? Like Mal is yeah. thinking back on his on his meeting with this person and that person. He it's like you're watching someone's memories unfold. Yeah. And so how do you make that clear? And you let the director do a lot of the work for that, and it's just brilliant. You know that the director can do it. It's like, if the director shoots it this way clearly, people will follow it. Well, we we mentioned this in the Stranger Things podcast, the yeah. um, transitions, and um, but we, we we mentioned briefly the, the um, I guess, influence is the right word, mm. the influence you can have on a director by yeah. writing in a certain way yeah. that means that things will be directed in this way where... Yeah. Um, because I mean, Manir and Solomon did such an incredible job. They really did, and I mean, they must it must have been quite collaborative in some way. But I would I would assume so. Yeah, but they, they that, just that's only an assumption. But you know, when people say leave room for the actor, leave room for the director. This is kind of what they're talking about. It, what it is, it's like you as a writer can say, okay, you can think every problem needs to be solved by you. That's not the case. 
sometimes you like there's certain things that need to be left for other people in the process to solve because that's what they're good at solving so like questions of storytelling right you can leave for the director to solve um because not not in the sense of like oh yeah you you solve this i mean in the sense of like (laughs) okay i want to do this thing where there's a triptych through time and we keep cutting between flashbacks and things. So I want to do a sort of me- memories type thing. How can we film this in a way that makes it clear what time period we're in? And then the director says, listen, you write it. I'll make sure that time periods are lit completely differently so that everyone knows exactly what time period they're in. You know, and I'll do things with costumes. I think... I think I'll give visual cues. I think a lot of this might have been Minear because thinking about the yeah. setting of the original... Uh, of the, sorry, the original uh, of of the the flashbacks where Mal meets the characters. Yeah, um, he meets Jane outside. Yeah. Um, uh, on the the little boarding platform of Serenity. Um, you know they're on a, a planet with the sun out. Uh, when he first boards the ship with Zoe, again it's th- it's on that ramp, yeah. so the sun is out yeah. uh, out there. So you've got this kind of warmth coming in. Yeah. When we're in the normal timeline, we start with natural lighting because they've got candles, and so yeah. it's naturally going to be quite warm. And then later on, when all of that's removed, yeah. again naturally, the director would have to kind of film it in a cold way because yeah and, and but but i mean also there's things like um when the scene with jane is happening on the landing platform well he, that happens just as he's meeting the guys who have the engine part sure and so you see him deal with people and it goes well and then straight away you see him deal with other people and it goes horribly wrong and he gets shot yeah so there's a juxtaposition in terms of what happens i'm just saying like the inara scenes happen one after the, the other exactly well, so yeah. it's clear that he's worked out okay he he Tim Minear has to in that screenplay think how this is going to get shot because a lot of the work is being done invisibly through visual uh, through the visual cues it's not being mm. done in the dialogue yeah so either David Solomon says I can do this thing or he's talked to him or he's trusting that David Solomon can do it uh but it uh, basically it, it it's it, there's a lot of work for the director to convey a lot of the information sure and the writer has done that that's what i mean by leaving the room you know solid, yeah. that uh, leaving room for someone it's like the information that's like with an actor you go here's the subtext you know the a lot of what's being conveyed is being done through you not through what i've written down on the paper yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah um so it's it's not through language with you that said yes can we talk about techno babble yes because you got that that great scene with uh wash yeah and the see the 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 audience needs to know the mechanics of this signal being sent out so the the crew are leaving the ship yes um and uh or have they decided to leave at that point they decided to leave the, yeah they have to no, no 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 they no, haven't decided no, to no, leave absolutely. he puts out a signal Mm. And Mal wants the signal to go further. To go further. Yeah. Um, and this could this could be like you can't can't do it. it. But that what he could know how to do it. It could be a really boring scene. Extend the signal. Sure. Yeah. Done. The way Star Trek would do it would be like, but if I if I jazzanize the flusenizer, then the flag and hang and tuflinganini, and then it's like, that's it, data. Like What's that, the cliche we always go to? Ravana, r- run a reverse tachyon beam through the main deflector shield. That kind of thing, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. If we reverse the tachyon beam through the deflector array, that would be it, Data. You're right. right. Of course, sir. You know, that that would be that's the techno babble Star Trek Deus Ex Machina. But that's not what they do. In this one, 
Go on. Oh, in this one is great. Um, Mal um, is basically yelling at Wash. Wash is like, "You can't do it, Captain. You can't do it." And, you know, I don't have the power. You know, it can't do it. It's like, get a do it. It's like, how? What am I supposed to do, Mal? And he's like, I don't care. Get on a spacesuit. What? Get outside and flap my arms. Flap your arms. Yell. Do a little dance. Re. <laughs> it's like he goes. Re. Uh. Uh. uh stick the navsats into the transmitter. What? I was, oh yeah. Because teenage pranks are fun when you're in danger. And it's like, it would work though, wouldn't it? It would boost the signal. He goes, yeah, but then whoever got it would just mess up their navigation. They'd have to stop to dig out our signal before they could move on. Maybe I should do that then. <laughs> it's just like... So the, the great thing about that techno babble is it's really clear. Okay? The, there's a, the only bit of techno is NavSat transmitter. Yeah. The rest of it is plain English. I have to, they have to dig through. Right? dig out our signal before they could move on. Like, it's just very clear what that means. And then when Wash gets it, so it happens, first of all, it's great, the arguing and all that stuff. Um, but the great thing about Serenity is, for my money, one of the beautiful things about that, that, that scene is when he goes, because teenage pranks are fun when you're in mortal danger, right? The beauty of that little line, Firefly does exposition in a beautiful way, which is it never never pretends that you need to be told anything it just presents you the world there's no never any explaining except in the film at the beginning yeah. they never explain it in the show they speak mandarin they just slip into mandarin at some point like the characters just be talking they go Where like that and then they carry on they just slip into mandarin and in fact if you get the dvd the subtitles it says speaks galactic language the subtitle is don't know it's Mandarin, right? Um, so they never explain. They never go, oh, what was that language? Oh, well, I speak Mandarin. Because everyone in the series speaks Mandarin. And everyone speaks English. So they don't never explain why they do. If you want to know why, you have to actually go and do a little online thing about why. Why do they speak Mandarin in Firefly? Like, well, here's why. Here's the world building reason. But it's never explained in the show. And all the techno babble, it's never, they never stop and tell you how anything works. They just kind of, the things work. So when Wash goes, teenage pranks are funny. When Mal suggests the thing, and he calls it a teenage prank, it makes it feel real. It makes it feel like a real thing that you've picked up. It's like you're eavesdropping on a real world. Whereas in Star Trek, they'd be that teenage prank line would never come up. No, you know, it, um, I, hey, we love Star Trek, but it would never come up. It would be why don't you re realign that to this and like oh, that would blow up the power thing. But unless you know that kind yeah. of thing, the concept that this navsat transmitter thing, they had to stop and think: How does Mal know this? How, why wouldn't Wash know about this? Why would Wash ignore it? Why wouldn't Wash consider it? Say, like, what if it's a teenage prank? What if it's something that any kid can do? Exactly. And then you've got this great little scene, this great yeah. turning point. People get what it is and how it works. And so but it's just it's, brilliant. I don't want to gloss over this as, uh, as well, because the way in which it's delivered, again, they could just talk it out. Yeah. They argue with each other. They they're, argue. In they're in such a desperate situation. Yeah. Wash is so testy. Yes. Which he even says at the beginning, like, yeah. um, uh, it's like being in mortal danger makes me a little snippy or yeah. something like that. You know, we get a laugh out of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that argue and argument with each other is such a great way yeah. to get that. And again, it shows across. you about these characters. Uh, Wash is the bumbling fool. 
but he's the only one who ever stands up to Mal like that. No one else ever talks to Mal that way. That's true. No one does. No one is that insubordinate to Mal. Everyone else is sort of intimidated by him. Wash, not really. Wash doesn't play the whole yes captain, no captain thing. It's true. And actually in the in the episode War Stories that um uh, yeah. that I mentioned, the way he engineers it is he does something that would get him kicked off any yeah. ship. Yeah. You know. He, exactly. he he deliberately rigs the ship to uh, Yes, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He like he, he like he like busts a system or something so he can't they can't go without yeah. They can't go they without can't him. Go. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it exactly. So yeah, Wash is the only one who does that. So that makes Wash polarized from the rest of the crew cuz no one else would have that argument with sure. with Mal. No yeah. one else would do it. So so there you go. So it's just like this is this is how you do exposition. It's invisible. There was one more really good one though. Which was? Uh the adrenaline. Oh yeah, the adrenaline. So there's a scene where Mal injects himself with adrenaline. So how do you explain to people what he's doing? Mal is on his own. He won't say, I've got to inject myself with adrenaline to keep going and explain the reasons why I've done Though I'm pretty sure I've seen that in some kind of Hollywood movie before. I've seen that in comics. <laughs> Uh, that's definitely a thing so Mal can't do that right so how do you get the audience to know what adrenaline is well how about if in the flash forward that literally is the second before this like it cuts from the flash sorry flashback cuts from the flashback to this scene um, Simon to save Zoe has to get adrenaline in her so Simon is got, got there and he, put, yell, he just says to Mal Mal I need that from the drawer uh, I need I need uh, this from the drawer, the big needle in the drawer. And he goes, the big needle, and Mal opens the drawer, grabs it, and he's like, it's pure adrenaline. Slams it in there, and and does it. And of course, they all gasp, right? Because it's this gigantic needle that he puts into into her heart, right? And just has it. It's like, so Simon saying it's adrenaline is so that the, everyone doesn't worry because he knows this does not look good, right? They don't know what they're doing. Uh, and no one on the ship knows anything about medicine except Simon. So Simon is just like barking orders. Do this, do that, bam, like that. Cut to straight away. Mal is now in the infirmary. He goes, he grabs the needle. Now, how would you tell people it's adrenaline? You could maybe have a shot that says adrenaline on it. That's a bit clunky. You don't need to do that. Instead, because we know what... Before Mal even reaches for the draw, we know why Mal's in the infirmary because of that scene. And that scene's dramatized. So now this scene, he opens that... What do we focus on? We focus on the fact that Mal has to take that giant needle and inject himself with it. He's not a doctor and he's injured and he's doing it to himself. Every time I watch that scene, he injects himself with adrenaline and he starts shaking and I'm like, why doesn't the needle break off in his chest? <laughs> like, it really makes me sick. <laughs> like, it's hard to watch that bit. But anyway, so... Right? I, I, I think we've, we've, we've um, skirted around it, but I, I want to highlight this point. You've got the adrenaline scene. It's, yeah. it's the writing. It's the going from yeah. one scene to another. Yeah. Um, where you go from uh, a scene where um, uh, Simon... Um, uh, skillfully puts yeah. the it skillfully saves Zoe's life. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it takes skill, it takes pro- it professional training years yes. of yeah. to do it. And you cut to Mal. like uh, almost yeah, the the opposite. Big damn Mal. hero. Big damn hero <laughs> doing that to himself. Um, yeah. uh, and the the juxtaposition between those scenes is yeah. is amazing. But you've got that. He, uh, Minir does that throughout yeah. the episode because you've and, got Inara and Mal. Yes. In the flashback immediately preceded um, yeah. uh, by the Inara Mal scene yes. in the shuttle. You've got uh, the Jane flashback, which yes. is him just dealing with the, uh, yeah. just before the guy's coming on the yeah. ship. So it's actually done throughout the episode. Yeah, so he's he's clearly 
he's clearly worked out I can mesh these two bits together and I just have to make sure that David Solomon makes it clear yeah. that these aren't the same scene right and he does yeah, and uh, and also you get oh man, you it's masterful, just how, really. Yeah, and you think how tough Mal has to be to do that, like because Mal, <laughs> you know, we see him bumbling around and being a bit of a joke, but then like, yeah, Mal doesn't give up ever, and this show is all about that, which we'll get to in a bit. But well, let's get to it now. Okay, so the the whole controlling idea of out of gas, as far as I can tell, is you don't give up on what you love. Mal won't give up on Serenity. He just won't do it. He won't, and one of the most beautiful things for me that in this, and like they don't give up on Mal. No, the crew doesn't I, give up on Mal either. I wanted to jump in on that. Yeah, but if you explain what you're you're doing, I may need, I may not need. No, because it's fine. Jump in a bit now. Well, the um, uh, if anything, it, see, it never bothered me about the episode, but you could you could look at the ending to the episode mm. um, as a Deus Ex. It never felt like a Deus Ex, but I never bothered to sit down and realize what. Uh, uh, work yeah. out why it wasn't. What, what, until... happens, what happens in the episode, for yeah. people who haven't seen it, sure, go. is um, Mal, when he sends the shuttles off, Wash says, okay, I've set up a button on the bridge. If, if for somehow the ship gets fixed and it's everything's okay, hit the button, we, come, we get a signal, we come straight back. Yeah. Okay? So Mal fixes the ship, right? He, the ship is working. He's bleeding to death. He crawls... He walks, stumbles his way to the bridge. He sees the button and collapses on the floor and never presses the button. Fade to black. Fade back up. He's in the infirmary and he's got an IV drip and he's okay and everything. And Zoe's awake. She's she's in bed, but she's awake. And what happened was, it's like, did I hit the button? No, Mal, you didn't. And he goes, how did you get back here? And like Zoe goes, when I woke up, I made them turn around. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, so... The, the, that scene isn't, you know, they, they show up out of the blue, right? So it's a day of sex. How did they save him if you didn't press the button? Well, because Zoe made them turn back, right? And it's not a day of sex at all. It's the controlling idea of the show. Yeah, because they come back because they won't give up on Mal. Zoe... And the, actually, can I... Yeah. <laughs> this is going to hark back to the beginnings so and yeah. wrap it up nicely. Yeah. Um, her saving Kaylee at the beginning sets this up, right? Yeah, yeah, because she saves Mal. So yeah. actually... Again, that's the only choice they could have made for the fire scene. It's not. Yeah. But her saving Kaylee has set up beautifully the ending yeah. that she would wake up from this. We know it's in character. Thing. It's totally in character. And not only that, it's a bit more beautiful when you think, when you realise that they're going back because uh, they can't survive. The shuttle can't get anywhere on the oxygen that it has, right? Um, and they know the ship can't survive. So what are they going back there for? They're going back either because Mal fixed the ship or he hasn't hit the button. So why are they going back? Probably just to die with Mal. They don't want Mal to die alone. Like Zoe won't let him die alone and she won't die without Mal. That's that's beautiful. And And then there's that bit where Mal, you know, he's about to go to sleep on the bed and he just stops and goes, you'll be here when I wake up. It's like yes, man, we'll all be here. It's like you. So the whole thing is, you just don't give up on what you love. They don't give up on each other. So Mal doesn't give up on the, the the crew. The crew don't give up on Mal. But even more beautifully than that, up until this point, it opened with you buy a ship like this, it'll be with you the rest of your life. And everyone keeps disparaging Serenity, and Serenity doesn't work. You think Mal got tricked into buying Serenity? After he goes, you'll be here when I wake up. They go, yes, Mal. And he goes to sleep. 
it cuts back to Mal buying Serenity. And you've got the guy, and he's saying, you buy the ship, it'll be with the rest of your life. This thing doesn't break down, it's the best ship, all that, giving that whole spiel. And the guy is talking about a completely different ship. Mal isn't even listening. Mal sees Serenity off the back end of the of the of the car dealership, as it were, sees it rusted, old, can't even fly yet. He's just looking at it with a big smile on his face. It's like he won't give up on Serenity. Like he just won't do it. Like that he he loves that ship. There's no way. And you go, that's why this guy wouldn't like when you know he says like everyone dies alone. It's like he's not dying alone. He's dying with this ship. I that's don't think ship. there's a neater place for us to cut to the summary right now. Yeah, that's it. That's that's, <laughs> that's that, that little bit. I, I, we watched that just like a, what a couple hours ago. Yeah. Like every time I cry, <laughs> I can't help it. It's just beautiful. And th- that's the show, right? It's all about that that depth of uh, of uh, they won't give up on the, on themselves. It's great. Um, just quickly before we do the summary, um, yeah. for the this is for, for the listeners uh, for the Babylon Five episode, I posted the summary and the timings for each of them. If this kind of change in the show um, uh, is kind of useful for you, if you have any other ideas we can uh, we can introduce to make life easier for you listening to it or anything like that, do get in touch because this was suggested by um, by somebody a number of episodes ago and I introduced it for the Babylon 5 one because we covered so much sure so I'll do the same for this one I'll yeah. write up some notes if there's any other kind of things that would uh, uh, would make it easier to listen to like replacing bass then let us know <laughs> um, so summary um, stick with it oh well I was still here uh, you know you know you say replacing bass I just want to point something out this is our third take Right, this is our third take on this episode, and the reason is like it's really appropriate that the Firefly episode things don't go smooth. <laughs> it was never gonna get uh, well. It was always gonna get cancelled. Yeah, it got cancelled twice, but we're still here. We don't we're give up here. on the things we love. Hey, <laughs> there we go. I love you, Luke. Um, <laughs> you're all right. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd sneak it in there. Go on. Uh, I I wrote down Firefly test. Do you want to? We don't need to mention that again, do we? Fourteen. Look, you saw how good out of this should be one episode. Is the episode as good as Out of Gas? No, cancel Which? the show. <laughs> right, just forget it. Breaking Bad passes the Out of Gas test. Breaking Bad does. I'm okay. First episode, actually, that is what it's become. By the way, the Firefly test, fourteen episodes. That was the case. Then Fringe broke me, and now it's now it's really the one episode test. Is the <laughs> So I watch one episode and I'm like, nope, you, nope, you didn't get me. See you later. <laughs> Unless someone tells me, Bash, you got to stick with it, like with Philly or Arrested Development. Um, polarization then. Yes, polarize your cast. Okay, bye. Everyone in your cast, you should know your cast well enough that uh, your cast is uh, capable. You can put different people, the same different characters in the same situation. They'll all act differently, and they have a history with each other which means that you have scenes and choices you want to have more i th- i would think like if you're running any, like a serial if you're running a full length that th- this is not so important but if you're running a serial you want to have more choices for scene makeup than you have time in the episode to do see in a full length story right where you have a single protagonist and you have 60 scenes in two hours or whatever. It's one story. You don't need to... like you, So long as the story's interesting and captivating, you're fine. But if you're running a serial, 
if you have a cast and the cast is just so small that you can't that you can actually play out every combination of that cast every episode you have enough time to do it you're going to run out of scenes mm. because you will you 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 want that's the whole thing to have a choice doesn't mean <laughs> oh you could go a or b it means you have whatever one you pick there was more you didn't pick that's what a real choice is okay you have more choices you didn't take than the one you did thinking on it um i mean it's not strictly speaking a bottle episode but out of gas is so confined yes you do have that it's a bottle episode bottle episodes by the way is a term from star trek where you had two types of episodes you had the episode where they were on the planet in a set or a location or they were on the ship but you get bottle episodes in other series you where you, you you lock a character up in a in a confined space. Yeah, basically um, the whole episode takes place on is is the, it's a cheap episode because yeah. it takes place on the set. Yeah, uh, you don't have to use locations. Yeah, um, but w- uh, with this bo- bottle episodes are I guess a, <laughs> they're they're about as brutal a test as you can give your characters for polarization, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the scenes have to come from the... Your scenes are coming from uh, lots of personal and internal conflict as yes. opposed to external conflict. Exactly. And that's the thing. The more polarised your cast is, the more you can have those kind of scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, delineation. Delineate the characters. <laughs> Make sure If your cast is polarised, then you'll have, you should be able to bring up dimensions because your characters will interact with each other differently. Okay. I was thinking, actually, whilst you were talking about polarization, I'm bringing it up now. The um, the the different way. So in the out of gas episode, you have two characters. I mean, go back to the Anara um, uh, example. The way that Mal interacts with her when they meet versus the way that they interact later on mm. shows such a, a rich kind of history yeah. between the characters. Same with Jane. Mm. Um, doesn't change with Zoe, but we know they go back further anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, I was wondering if there was some kind of uh, similar thing you could do for your own writing. I guess if you imagine the characters in a previous history, yeah. like, I do the, are they the same? What were they like at school? What were they? There, there we go. You know, you just you if 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 that that's the thing. Like a polarized, delineated cast will create scenes and be dynamic and turn story. If your if your scenes are everyone's acting the same in every scene, they're not polarized. They're not delineated, and you have to stop and you have to go. Okay, even if I've given them dimensions, why hasn't it come out? You know, we mentioned yeah. this in the Man of Steel podcast. Like, why say. don't the the dimensions come out? So like because you haven't created scenes that bring those things out. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, if you have a nine, you know, Mal and Inara and all those characters, they aren't eight dimensions, you know, they are all four dimensions, I guess, because each, you know, you could have like, okay, they react with Kaylee one way, react with Simon a different way. That's a dimension, right? Yeah. They're not all four dimensional characters. No. Um, it, but what happens is they have maybe, say, one, two, three dimensions, but that dimension is variable in the sense that there's a range. Like saying someone is... Uh, like okay, Mal, he's out of his depth. Okay, great. Now express that. Yeah. So in all the scenes, yeah, he's out of his depth in all those scenes, but he's out of his depth in a different way. But they're not all separate dimensions, right? So the point is, you have a, a great dimension. You have a polarized cast, and then you can get a lot out of these scenes because you've got these characters that you can do things with and they play differently in those scenes so now you're not worried about oh this scene's just a repetition of the scene before so even though Mal is being belittled 
in all the flashbacks. He's being belittled in different ways. You think he's being taken for a ride in the car user dealership, in the spaceship dealership. You think uh, Zoe is mocking him. You think um, uh, Kay- Kaylee is like teaching him, right? They all they're all different ways of him being low status, but he's low status in all of them. Another he's out of his depth in all. Of them. Another good example. Um, again, addressing the the listeners, if you remember Storylog, Bass has uh, a series of lessons on Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah. And the reason I bring it up is because. This whole idea that you've got the dimension of Mal and actually with different characters it comes out slightly yeah. differently. The characters in Guardian the Guardians of the Galaxy all have the same dimension, don't yeah, they? The, the ca- but, yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah, the cast in Guardians of the Galaxy um, all have two dimensions, but it's the same two dimensions. It's just slightly varied between each of them sure. in their own unique way. So, for example, they are all uh, criminals, but they're also heroes in Guardians of the Galaxy, but they're different types of criminals. Star-Lord's a thief, whereas Gamora's an assassin, and yeah. Drax is a murderer. Um, and they're all heroes in different ways. So Star-Lord is um, selflessly heroic, as he says at one point. Uh, Gamora is really principled, right? And yeah. she's willing to sacrifice herself in a different way. And then uh, Drax is sort of loyal. Yeah. So they, they have a sort of heroic element. They have a... Uh, a non-heroic element to them, uh, but it's all different. And so, like, that's the thing you can do. Like, you can play the same dimension out differently. Yeah. In the same scenes, it's just there's a variance to it. And you can do it if you have a polarized cast, right? Yeah. You need a polarized cast to pull that so out. So they go. I hadn't. I guess I almost hadn't realized myself they're, how closely linked these. They are. They're are. different things, but because the polarization is in relation to polar a polarized cast. You don't have a polarized character. You have a polarized yeah. cast. Yeah. And you have a dimensionalized character. That's the difference. Yeah. So polarizing is basically dimensionalizing your entire cast. If you think of it that way, right? Yeah. It's a similar thing. So polarizing is how characters interrelate with each other. Yeah. Whereas dimensions are how that character plays out differently in scenes. Quick word on exposition. It's really good and firefly. It's, it's really invisible. Less quick words. It's invisible. You don't notice that you're being given uh, exposition. There you go. That's why it's so great. Exposition. And it's as, sci-fi. As ammunition. Is that the, is that yeah, the Yeah, that's, that's the phrase. But this is exposition as you don't see it coming. Like a ninja. Ninja exposition. Ninja exposition. Yeah, that's it. Um, quick word on control. Because ammunition, I mean, that's loud. You notice it. That's true. Yeah. Well, they do yell at each other in the mouth. Ammun- exposition as poison. <laughs> this got really um, yeah. malevolent all of a sudden it is um, controlling idea don't give up on what you love well that's the controlling idea of this yes. don't give up on your controlling idea no no. I mean uh, I don't know what to we say pro- I'd, I'd say we probably need to do well we definitely need to do an, an, an episode on that sort of thing or controlling some, idea yeah at some point. yeah we'll talk about it then because it's a big topic it's yeah and it just like it, it, it. I'm just. I'm just saying. Firefly. What it's about is don't give up on what you love, right? Yeah. And you see all the characters play that out, and yeah. it's just a great sort of um, demonstration and dramatization of those characters. <sighs> the really beautifully polarized cast. Wowzers! What a good episode. Yeah. Not. I was talking about the podcast. Oh. oh. Yeah, I'm gonna throw up after this. <laughs> just, just a little bit of sick. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it. That's a wrap. Are we done? You normally end on something witty. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry I don't have anything witty to do. I kind of want to end swearing at you in Mandarin, but I don't know Mandarin. 
You ho she de pigu. That's actually Mandarin, isn't it? It is, yeah. Badly said. I got it from my uh, Firefly Dictionary. <laughs> I really do have a Firefly Dictionary. You outgeek me. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs>